Okay, so today we are continuing in the series, The Foundation of Truth, and uh, we'll be covering Love One Another Part 2. Last week I did Part 1, and today I'm doing Love One Another Part 2. And I want to talk, start talking about what that love one another looks supposed to look like. I won't be finished today, I'll, I'll continue next week. What is that love one another supposed to look like to the world? What should they be seeing? And I'd like us to turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 4 and go to verse 17. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. So Paul, he's writing to the saints. So he wrote to the saints explaining how to conduct themselves going forward with their life in Christ. So this is the Gentile uh, the church in Ephesus, this writing is to them, but it's also to us today. And in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, I'll start reading from verse 17. And this is Paul's writing. He said, this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. Verse 19, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct. The old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, verse 24, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Paul is saying here, to put off the former life or lifestyle. And that is a choice. Because he says here, you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Ignorance means that they don't know. They are blind. They are spiritually blind. Okay, so he says here, you got to put off your former lifestyle. And that's a choice. We are not to think or act like the people in the world. We have to put aside pride. You know, another thing is our reasoning. Reasoning only has us, only helps us to a certain point. Our reasoning must not be the final word. You know, we hear a lot about science, we hear a lot, a lot about data, we hear about a lot about this or that. Yes, that has its place. But understand that the final word is not our reasoning. The final word is the, what the word of God says. Okay? Because God can step in and overrule logic at any time. And I can give you a simple example. When they parted, when the Lord parted the Red Sea, when the Jews were cornered between the army of Egypt and the Red Sea, logic dictates that they had no option, that they were dead. What did the Lord do? He 
parted the Red Sea. That defies logic. That defies science. Another example, a virgin becoming pregnant, never having sex with a man, becoming pregnant by the Holy Spirit, giving birth, and they call it the Immaculate Conception. That defies logic. Another example, Abraham, 100 years old, Sarah in her 90s, past menopause, past, 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 past menopause, Abraham, old man, in the natural, they should not be able to come together and have sex. Shouldn't happen. She can't even bear eggs to conceive. The science says it's impossible in the natural. But what did God do? He stepped into time and space and made the impossible possible. So our reasoning should never be the final word. Because God can step in at any time and upset our reasoning, upset the logic. So that's why it says here, don't think and act like the world. Because the world will say, this is impossible. It cannot be done. The science doesn't back it up. But God's word says... Nothing is impossible. So we can never take the science as the final word. We have to take what God's word says as the final word. Because what the Lord says, he will do. All right? So that's what it's saying. Don't think like the world. With the world, certain things can't happen. It's impossible. With, but with God, nothing is impossible. That's what Jesus said. Only believe and you shall see the glory of God. My God, when he raised Lazarus from the dead, that was scientifically impossible. Impossible. That should not happen. That defies logic. So I'm just telling you what I'm saying here. We are not like the world. We are living on a plane that is so far beyond the natural man. And when we get it, God proves himself. He reveals himself. He keeps his word and he shows us through the things that he does, the prayers that he answers, that he's faithful to us and that what he said he will do, he will do it. Glory to God. We are no longer separated from God due to ignorance. As it says here, having our, their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God. That means you've been separated from God because of the thinking. Right? But he said, we are no longer separated from God because we are in Christ. We have been brought near to God through Christ. So we don't long, we don't have to be blind like the people in the world. As it says in Proverbs 18, 17, right? It says, those who seek me will find me. That's what the Lord is saying. Anyone who diligently seek me will find me. And this is his word. This is God's word. If you diligently seek him, you will find him. He will make himself available to you. That is his promise. That's his word. And God keeps his word. And that word diligent means constant in effort to accomplish something. Attentive, persistent in doing anything. Done or pursued with persevering attention. For example, if you want to become good at some sport, you have to be diligent. You have to study. You have to read up on it. Get the right equipment. And then you have to put that into practice. You have to be constant 
and always at it to become proficient at it. That is diligent. So if you're seeking God diligently, you're going to read, you're going to study, you're going to pray, you're going to seek him. All the ways you know, you're going to call out to him. And guess what? He will make himself available to you. He will reveal himself. You don't start the day and say, Lord, I want to know you, and you quit next week. This is a lifestyle of pursuit. And God, as he said in this word, they that diligently seek me will find me. That is his promise. And I know that to be true. It also talks about here, verse 19, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. This is talking about the natural mind of those who are separated from God. We don't have to be controlled by our own desires and impulses. And that's what happens. That's what it is. People are, you see it, you see it out there now with all the chaos and the conspiracy theories and all the things that are happening. You see people are just saying and doing whatever comes to their heart and mind without any concern for the consequences. Because everything that people say and do is all centered on what they want to accomplish and what they want to happen. It's all about self and selfishness. So we are not to be ruled by our impulses and our desires. We are not like wild animals. We can't be like those who have no self-control. That is not the heart of God. Because when you don't have self-control, when you're ruled by your impulses and your desires, this is what the enemy wants. Because it's easy to snare you because you're not thinking straight. You're just moving by your feelings. That's why he said here... Who by past feeling have given themselves over to whatever. Right? To unrestrained behavior. That's what lewdness means. Unrestrained behavior. You just do what you feel like doing, how you feel like doing, when you feel like doing, without any thought of the consequences of who you're going to hurt or even get how you're going to get hurt. You watch all these people. They say, wear a mask. Not to protect you only, but to protect someone else. You may not have the virus. You may be a carrier, showing no symptoms. But what are a lot of people doing? They go and they party. Why? Because they don't care. They're just doing what they feel like doing. It's all self-centeredness, all selfishness. And the way you could show that you love your brother it's a wear a mask because it's not about you only. It's about protecting someone else. So when they go and they party and then they what? They come home to their parents or to their grandparents. Guess what they risk doing? Infecting these people and these people can die. But even these young people who are going out there and party, they can get it and die, but they don't care because that's, well, listen, I was young once and I thought I was invincible. But the older I get, I realize that my life is nothing. I am not invincible. So we got to pray for these people. People who have this cavalier attitude about life and about others, the life of others. But that's what it means. Unrestrained behavior. You don't care. You do what feels right to you without 
the thought of the consequences. And as I said, this is what the enemy wants. This is how we are controlled to do his will and to counter what's good. This is what the enemy is about, to counter what is good. The consequences to ourselves and others when we are driven by our own desires and impulses can be deadly or lead to a lifetime of misery and anguish. And I'm listening, I'm sure each one of us on this line have a story of things we have done without thought of the consequences and might still be paying today. And I'm not talking about a bad business decision. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about how you spend your money. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the lives of people that we have impacted for the good or the bad. And the consequence here I'm talking about in terms of being driven by your own impulses and desires, normally, a lot of times, those things happen with bad consequences. Think about the lives of the people that we have impacted and hurt that are still stung today by what we might have said to them when they were little children. What we might have said to our children or to a friend or to be betraying a friend by having an affair with, the, by the, by, with your friend's husband or wife, lying to somebody, robbing somebody, not keeping our word. Think of the impact of the consequences when we don't walk upright and we're not walking in righteousness, that we're just moving in our own impulses about what is good for us. That's what he's talking about here. It's not only about sexual uh, uh, misdeeds. It's everything, the lying, the scheming, the manipulating. It's all of that tied in a nice bow. It's all about what we want for our own lives, for our own selves. That is what the enemy wants. But this love of God, as Jesus, Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. This is not a selfish love. It cannot be because God is not a selfish God. He's not a selfish God. So the consequences, and many times we don't think about the consequences, but then many times we do and we're like, well, I probably won't get caught. But you see, nothing is hidden. Nothing ever stays hidden. God will reveal it. He will, God always will expose the things that we try to hide. Whether you're Christian or not, he will always expose you. So the teachings of Jesus, as it says here in verse 21 or verse 20, he said, you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him, this is important, heard and have been taught by him. So how do we hear him? By the word. How do, are we taught? By the spirit. So he said here, if you've heard him, the word, and you've taught by the spirit, as the spirit revealed what you've heard, he said, you won't walk like the, in the futility of your mind, like the other gent, like Gentiles walk. And he said, because of that, you put off concerning your former life. That's a choice. We got to put off and put on, put off the old and put on the new. So the teachings of Jesus Christ is for the renewing of our minds. To change the way we think. And I spoke about transformation a few weeks ago. This is about transformation. Putting on the new man. Putting on this armor of light. Putting on Christ is about being transformed into the likeness of Christ himself. 
And as I said in Romans 12, 1 and 2, you can write this down. We have to become living sacrifices. We have to give ourselves away. I give myself away. We just sang that song. That's what it is. We have to give our lives to him. Become living sacrifices so that the transformation of our thinking can take place so that we can walk in the light and not stumble in darkness like the Gentiles who have been alienated, separated from God because of unbelief. We used to be like them, but we became became close to God because of our belief, our faith in Christ. We are no longer separated from God. We have been drawn near by the blood of Christ. Glory to God. So to, we have to acquire this knowledge of God. And this knowledge is acquired through his word, and we get the understanding by the spirit. As we put on the new man, transformation takes place, and the old man we put off. So we have to put off the old and put on the new. We have to do it. I have to do it daily. Put off the old and put on the new. Okay, so our attitude, our thinking, our behavior changes. It lines up with the word of God. It lines up into the image and the likeness of Christ himself. So we have to put off the old and put on the new. This is a daily effort, a daily commitment. I can't do it for you. You can't do it for me. You have to do it for yourself. It's a daily choice. And I talk about diligence. We have to be diligent in putting off the old and putting on the new. We have to be persistent. We have to be always added, constant in effort to accomplish this task. And the Spirit will help us to do it. He give us the grace, the power to do it. When we times when we can't do it, He's going to give us the grace to do it. Now it says here also in verse 24 that you Put on the new man, which was created according to God in the true and true righteousness and holiness. My God. When I was reading this, I mean, something came to me, but I want to share this with you, and I hope you get it. When we do this, we become clothed in righteous, true righteousness and holiness. When I say true righteousness, this is not man-made stuff. This is the true righteousness is the righteousness of God. There's a righteousness we get when we believe in Christ. That we get because we believe in Christ. We are clothed with his righteousness. But there's a righteous walk that we have to walk daily. So as we walk in the light, as we walk in this righteousness, we are also declared holy according to God's standard. Holiness is not whether you're wearing makeup or no way makeup, whether you wear a short skirt or a long skirt. Holiness has nothing to do with your appearance. It has to do with the attitude of your heart and your thinking. Walking in the light, walking in the ways of God makes you righteous and holy. Not keeping a lot of rules and regulation. Walking in holiness saying, His Father, not my will, it's your will. I want to do, always do those things that please you. Putting on the new man is, is walking, putting on holiness. Walking in righteousness, walking in holiness. Why? Because it's not you. You're putting on this image and likeness according, created in the image of God. So we have getting a new attitude, a new way of thinking, and, we, and a new behavior based on how we think. Now listen to this. 
when we do this, when we put on the new man, we are transformed into the likeness of Christ. This is a whole will of God for, for fallen man, to be conformed, transformed into the image of his son. This is the will of God. If you want to know what the will of God is for your life, that's the will of God. To be transformed into the image of Christ. To be Christ-like. Oh my God. Listen. Listen to this. If you get this, it's going to blow your mind. When you are transformed into the image and the likeness of Christ, who is God? The Christ is a form of the, is a heavenly image. Leaving behind the Adamic image, which is corrupt and earthly. So when people say that we are all created in the image of God, that is true. We are all created in the image and likeness of God. That is absolutely true. However, we are talking two things here. There's a natural man that's created in the likeness and image of God because God created him from the dust of the earth. And he said, let us make man in our image and likeness. And then he formed Man in the dust of, from the dust of the ground and he breathed life into that thing. That's the natural man. That's the Adamic man. But there's a new man. Because the Adamic man failed God and got corrupted by sin. So God had another plan. He brought a new man, a spirit man, glory to God, a spirit man in the image of Christ. So when you, so this transformation into the likeness of Christ is a, a transformation based on a heavenly image, not the earthly image of Adam, but the heavenly image of Christ came straight from God in the likeness of, of human flesh. But then went back to God, he put off that flesh and put on a new body, a heavenly body. Listen to this. He lives, he, he left behind the Adamic image. That's Jesus. He had to put that off. Because the Bible says flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So the Adamic man cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Cannot do it. God came with a new image, which is Christ. Came straight from the Father. To redeem man. And now we all are redeemed by that same spirit, by that, by that blood. We are redeemed by that blood. And that same spirit that is in Christ, that spirit abides in us. And guess what? We have to put that body off. We're going to be changed and we're going to put on a heavenly body. So the new man in the image of Christ doesn't have any trace of Adam, of Adam at all. The new man is a man from heaven. The man that's walking this earth is the fallen Adamic man, which is corrupt. And that man cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So when people say that we are all God's children, that's erroneous. Because God's true children who are walking in righteousness and holiness, they have put on a new image. There's a new image in the likeness of the heavenly son, Christ. That's the difference. So you're not wrong in saying that I am now a, a new creation in Christ. We are new creation. We are son, we are sons of God, but we are spiritual sons. We are not earthly sons. So God has already gone beyond the natural and prepared a new man, a blueprint for the spiritual man. And that blueprint is who? Christ. 
that's the will of God concerning everyone who is redeemed, that they're on a fast track to be conformed into the likeness of Christ himself, God himself. We are to be like God. But first, the thinking has to change. Because we accept the natural man is already separated from God because of his thinking. Because of his sin. But first, God has to redeem that natural man. Change his thinking so that he can bring him now to this heavenly image. And the last thing that will have to be done, as the Jesus, as the Bible says, death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your, where is death? Where is your sting? Grave, where is your power? Grave. Because the sting of death is sin. So we put off that body. And once we put that off, we put on the heavenly body. So the new man, when he's fully redeemed, will be like God himself. Able to enter heaven itself. And the Adamic man can't do it. So when it says here that you, verse 24, put on the new man, which was created according to God. It's created according to God. It's created according to a blueprint, which is like God himself. That natural man is changed from the inside out by the spirit. That's why it says here that you have heard him, the word, and taught by him, the spirit. You see, this is what he's saying here. The natural man is changed from the inside out. We hear the word and then we are taught by the spirit. That word that we hear is revealed and we can understand it and apply it to our lives. Why? And when you do that, you're putting on the new man. So from the inside out, we are changed. We eventually, as I said, put off this physical body and we put on the heavenly body. And everything is done by the spirit. We put on the new man by the spirit. We get born again by the spirit. We die. And guess what? By the spirit, we put on the new, the new, the heavenly body. It's all done by the spirit. The heavenly man would look nothing like the earthly man. What is the world seeing? Are they seeing the new creation? Are they seeing the new man in Christ? How is that new man revealed? By how we love one another. Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, so that the world would know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. This new man is revealed by how we love one another. It's revealed, it's manifested to this world that we are not like the natural man. We are not like the Adamic man. Even though we are in flesh and blood, we are different. The manifestation of it is the way we love one another. People of different races, background. It doesn't matter. What we all have in common is the spirit of God. What we have in common is Christ. We are all in Christ. That is what we have in common. And this spiritual man is from heaven and revealed, and you see him in his all his glory in true righteousness and holiness. And this is all by the spirit. And as you can see from Paul's writing, if you remember the history of Paul, how he, when he was Saul, persecuting the church, locking up Christians, 
in his writings, you see the transit change that took place when he had the encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. That transformation, you see it in his writings. It's critical. And we must be diligent and willing to yield to that, to the word of God and the spirit of God. So you see Paul's change of heart. He became a disciple. And he wrote to the disciples in Ephesus. And that was those writings are for us today to walk in the light, to put on the new man, warning, warning them, telling them how they ought to live your life going forward. He said, don't allow your thinking to be like the people of the world who are separated from God. He said, we didn't learn Christ that way. We have been drawn near. And the way we think and the way we act, our behavior cannot be like the people in the world. We can't act unrestrained. We have to have self-control. We have to be careful of what we say, what we do, how we think. We can't just spew things out of our mouth without the thought of the consequences. Because there are consequences to what we say and do and how we think. So I'm going to stop there today. And I'll pick this up. I'll continue next week. And I hope you receive something today. In Jesus' name.